Good evening to you present here. Good evening to those online. Please uh, open your copy of God's Word to Psalm 119, verses 145 through 152. Psalm 119, verses 145 through 152. We are continue, continuing our series on this psalm, Psalm 119. It's divided in sections, and each section has for its heading a Hebrew letter, a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Today we come to letter Kof. Please hear God's word. With my whole heart I cry, answer me, O Lord, I'll keep your statutes. I call to you, save me that I may observe your testimonies. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your words. My eyes awake before the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promise. Hear my voice. According to your steadfast love, O Lord, according to your justice, Give me life. They draw near who persecute me with evil purpose. They are far from your law. But you are near, O Lord. And all your commandments are true. Long have I known from your testimonies that you have founded them forever. Let us seek God's face. Lord God, we have before us a profound prayer, an honest prayer, your word, Lord. Oh, Lord, teach us to pray like this. Please, Lord, edify us through your word this evening. We are here to hear your voice. Please help us with the power of your Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, amen. The Bible is a very realistic book. It tells us about heaven, about the good things, but it tells us about hell and about the bad things. It tells us about the blessedness and the unspeakable inheritance that await God's people after this life. But it does not hide the sorrows that Christians will endure in this life. We might expect that a person who is faithful to God does not suffer. And that the more one delights in God's law, the less he will suffer. But that's just not the real experience of our life, is it? None of us can say that the Bible told us nothing about suffering. At the same time, none of us can say that God did not teach us how to endure suffering. That he did not provide a way out. We see in the scriptures many examples of people who love the Lord and yet 
they faced great adversities. It is the case of Job. It is the case of Joseph. The case of Elijah being persecuted by the wicked Jezebel. And we have many other examples. If you go to the New Testament, what about Paul? A man who experienced, experienced suffered after suffering. And this, I dare to say, is also some of the experience of your life and some of the experience of my life. There are times when we go through the valley of the shadow of death. But God said that we will not go there alone. He will be with us there. The psalmist is a faithful Christian. As we have seen through our series in this psalm. He loves the Lord. He loves the Bible. But he is in great tribulation. His very life is at risk. He cries, save me. Save me. Preserve my life. He is in deep distress. If you go back to verse 25, it says, it's him saying, my soul clings to the dust. In verse 28, he goes on to say, my soul melts away of sorrow. That is intense. We know that God will always be with his people. But that's not always our perception. When trouble comes, Many times, we don't know what to do. So how do we endure suffering? How do we go through it, biblically? If you can relate to anything that is described, if in any way it has been your personal experience, that you are living a life of commitment to God. And yet, you experience suffering. Or perhaps, a time when you were trying really to be faithful was exactly the reason why you faced oppression or persecution. If any of this describes your experience, then... This message is for you. So our message today is about this. The psalmist is going through an intense suffering. Therefore, he prays intensely. So intensely that he says, I cry. I cry. He cannot help it. So our message today will be about this cry. And we are going to divide it in three headings. First, intense cry. Second, intense seeking. And third, the certainty of their response. Intense cry, intense seeking, and the certainty of the response. 
In verse 145, he says, With my whole heart I cry. An intense cry is a cry from the heart. The psalmist uses the verb cry three times in our text. Well, if it was in Hebrew, it would be the first word of verse 145, cry. Also, at the beginning of verse 146, if it was Hebrew, it would be exactly the same verb. I cry. And in verse 147, we have a synonym saying, I cry. I cry. So he is a man in affliction. Persecuted by God's enemies. Surrounded by unfaithfulness. How can he endure this? How can he overcome this? And we will see in these verses that his way to overcome it is through earnest prayer and meditation on God's promise. Fervent prayer and meditation. And here we have the first lesson that we learn in this passage. For a child of God, times of suffering are not times to drive us away from God, but rather to draw us closer to Him, to make our relationship with Him stronger and intense. The times of suffering for the faithful Christian are not meant to take us away from God, but to mature us, to elevate us, to the next level of faith in Jesus Christ. Hear the words of a man that very likely suffered what we did not suffer. These are the words of Job after suffering. He says, I heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. This is his confession to God. And we know that Job was a Christian before that. So what does, does this confession mean? He has been matured. It is a strange, brothers and sisters, but it's biblical. There can be good coming out of suffering if we are afflicted for being faithful. The response of the psalmist to intense suffering is intense prayer. He did not pray quietly within his soul, but he cried. And he cried with the whole heart. And the word heart here does not only mean that he prays with all his emotions, but also with all of his mind. And all that he had. He poured out his soul before God. This is a genuine prayer. One that God wants to hear. A heart prayer. A prayer should always be from the heart. But in times of deep sorrow. It might take a form of a cry. 
it might take a form of a cry. A hard prayer is not necessarily the most eloquent. It's not necessarily the longest one. Well, long prayer is desirable. It's good, but not necessarily from the heart. The petition that we have before us is very short. Most of it is centered in two expressions. Save me. Save me. Give me life. This is his request. He wants his life to be preserved. These are not words coming out of a mouth that is only making sound. But the heart is somewhere else. It is the voice of the heart. It is very intense. This man knows that only God can save him. Save him from persecution. Save him from trouble. Save him from sin. This is also an insistent prayer. He says, hear me, O Lord. Obviously, God hears every single sound in the universe. But what the psalmist wants is that God takes his word into consideration, that he will sympathize with his suffering, and that he will help him. And I wonder... If this is your attitude in times of trouble, that when you are there in the valley, your first impulse is to come to God and cry. Well, fever alone will not suffice for a faithful cry. If we are suffering for a despise to God's law, Shame on us. Our most urgent need is what? It is actually repentance. Peter, in his first epistle, chapter 4, verse 15, says, Let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer. In other words, do not suffer for being disobedient do not suffer because you are stubborn in your sins the psalmist could not expect to be heard unless he was a man willing determined to dedicate his life to obedience to God see verses 145b and 146b He says, answer me, O Lord, I will keep your statutes. 146b says, save me that I may observe your testimonies. He wants to be delivered so that he can serve God without hindrance. He does not want that enemies or anxiety because of the danger will hinder his service, his free service to God. He does not want deliverance from trouble so that he could go on on his personal projects. He wants to serve God. He does not want deliverance 
so that he can live a licentious life. He wants salvation that God will be glorified in his life. He says, save me that I may observe, that I may obey your word, your testimonies. And here we find another valuable lesson about Christian suffering. There is an intriguing relationship between suffering and obedience. Suffering teaches obedience. The psalmist himself admits that. Take a look at verse 71. Verse 71. It was good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn your precepts. This is the same man speaking. His affliction has led him to spiritual growth. You see, for a faithful Christian, there is good coming out of suffering. Your troubles are not time for rebellion to God. It is rather times of testing. Times to see how much you love the Lord. If you love him more than the, the, the comfort that he can offer you. It is a time to cry out, Lord, I am yours. Save me. Save me. Help me so that I can be a living testimony that the Lord save. That salvation is from the Lord. Is from the Lord. Are you facing trials? Are you praying for deliverance? If the Lord deliver you, what do you plan to do? Do you plan to go on your life according to your own design? Or do you want to live a life, a holy life, a life of service to God? Do you want to be this living testimony that the Lord saves? But the, re the, the reality is that sometimes the sorrow of our heart is so deep, so deep that we don't even feel like praying. And what do we do? Well, let the weight of your suffering be turned into an intense seeking. Intense seeking to the Lord. And this is our second point. Intense seeking. Where do we seek God apart from prayer? It is in the Bible. Prayer and reading of the scriptures are two essential parts of our daily devotion. Through prayer, we speak to God. And through the Bible, he speaks to us. See how the psalmist not only prays intensely, but all his actions of seeking God are equally intense. He is determined to seek God. He is importunate. He is insistent. Verse 147 tells us that he awakes before the dawn. To pray. You know, sleeping is good. 
It is necessary, right? But the psalmist treasures the presence of God so much that it's better than his rest. It would be fine for him to sleep less if he could have more of God, more of his word, more of his presence. If he had many things to do during the day, nevertheless, it would not stop him from his daily devotions. It would not, it would not be an excuse for him. I find it to be sometimes my experience when I'm too busy. Sometimes it comes to my mind if I have to take things off my schedule, I think, okay, today I do not have time or I have to shorten my devotions. I never think of shortening my sleep. Well, if my need is so intense, why? Why I will lay aside my devotion? So I encourage you, I encourage you, if your need is, and your need is always great, but sometimes we only realize in times of suffering. If you have to take something from your schedule, do not let it be your devotions. Let it be central in your life. You start your day in the presence of the Lord be zealous of your time with him. I am not saying that you have to be an early bird to be a Christian. But that the best way to start your day is in the presence of the Lord. Verse 148 says, My eyes are awake before the watches of the night. Now, during the night as well. That I may meditate on your promise. Now it's time to meditate, to read the word. As though he wants to indicate that praying through the night and reading these scriptures even through the night is something that he does not only once, but frequently. Just as Jacob, when his life was in jeopardy. Remember when he was going to encounter Saul? What did he do? He was, his life was in jeopardy, he engaged in prayer through the night. He wrestled with the angel of the Lord and he said, I will not let you go unless, unless you bless me. Unless you bless me. If you're suffering intense, do you know anything of this intense seeking? God is ever available to his people. He's never asleep like a Baal or idols, who being gods, false gods, are always sleeping. The God of Israel never slumbers. And even though he's such a great God, the highest being in the universe, he's always available to his people. A supermarket has opening hours. If you need a doctor in urgency, there's no guarantee that he'll be there every second for you. That can be delays. If you need 
a meeting with a renowned person, you probably need to, to put your name on a schedule. But a meeting with the mighty God of the universe requires no schedule. Isn't that wonderful? But at the same time, I find it a great irony that even though God, we have a sex, access to him 24-7, it's so easy for us to forsake that. And sometimes we leave that to be our last resort, even in times of trouble. Brothers and sisters, a fervent and faithful seeking is rewarding. Meditation on God's promises kindled the faith of the psalmist. It revived his soul. It, and it can revive yours. It can revive your soul. God is never late. But he wants to be sought with intensity. You will seek him and you find him when you seek wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. Charles Spurgeon puts it this way delayed answers, and by delayed, he's saying not that God delays, but it's our perception. Delayed answers should not lead us to discouragement, but to importunity. Prayer coupled with meditation is the fuel that kindle our hope. Our third point is the certainty of the response. What motivates such diligent seeking, such fervent prayer? as these of the psalmist, how could he be sure that he was not throwing words up in the air? Well, you will not cry intensely if you do not expect to be heard. You will not lose sleep if you do not have solid hope that God will hear you. You will not the text tells us that the psalmist is certain of God's answer because God's love for his people is steadfast. Because if trouble is near, the Lord is nearer. And because his testimonies are true and they endure forever. They are unchangeable. God is near. Even though he starts verse 150 acknowledging that danger is near. At the end of the same verse, he's convinced that God is nearer. His cry is not only intense, but it's also urgent. Because the enemy is approaching. And the enemy that is coming near is far from God's law. That's a very dangerous combination. People with evil intent who are not refrained by God's word 
who do not fear God are approaching the psalmist with evil intent. They are merciless. Their heart devises evil. They cannot sleep unless they do wrong. They eat the bread of the wickedness. And they drink the wine of violence. Their throat is an open grave. The psalmist does not find comfort as we do not find comfort minimizing the problem. Our problem is real. Danger is real. Suffering is real in our lives. So what brings us comfort in that situation is a reality even greater than that. Evil is near, but the Lord God is neater. God is neater. This is a real comfort. In verse 152, the psalmist confesses, I know that I have found your testimonies forever, that you have founded your testimonies forever. As God is unchangeable, so is his word. Unchangeable. As he was faithful to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, he's faithful to you and to me. His words are the same. But I think that one of the reasons why we are tempted to be discouraged in times of tribulation is because deep down we know that we deserve abandon, abandonment. We fear that God will not hear us that his promises do not apply to us, that he is far from us because we remember the times that we strayed from him. The times when we went away from him. And this is the cause of the psalmist as well. Look at verse 67. He says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. You see how realistic the Bible is. It talks about the real experience of your life. Deep down, we fear that God will not hear us because we deserve to be forsaken. So what in the world, what in the world would make a God like him to hear a person like me? Well, we don't plead to God on the basis of our faithfulness. Do we? Notice that the psalmist does not pray, Hear me according to my faithfulness. Rather, hear me according to your steadfast love, according to your judgment, according to your wisdom and not mine. In other words, hear me because of who you are. Oh God, hear me because of of who you are. At times, I fail, but you are a God who never fails. You never fail. Well, we are faithful because God makes us faithful. We who were once far, now we seek Him. Why? 
Because before we drew near to him, he drew near to us. He came as close as to take up flesh. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God incarnate. He's God with us. In Jesus, God is very near. Now listen, please, because here is where the strangeness of Christian suffering is explained. The connection between suffering and obedience is explained in the person of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 5, 8 says, Although he was a son, that is, Jesus, he learned obedience through what he suffered. The relationship between suffering and blessedness makes sense again in the person of Jesus Christ. Out of his suffering comes the greatest of all blessedness. Your salvation. If you believe in him. By his wounds. We are healed. We are saved through suffering. Not ours. My suffering. Is what I deserve. That's why penance. Will not atone. For the smallest of sin. Because. It's a suffering of someone who deserves suffering. It does not make any sense. But we are saved by Jesus' suffering. He was always faithful. He never went astray. And yet, he knows suffering like if you believe in him, you never know. If you are in Christ, you won't know hell. You will not know that. The suffering that those who are living in faithful experience is because they are united with Jesus. Christ says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Tribulation is part of the faithful life. Because the life of believers is cruciform. We identify with our Savior not only in glory, but also in suffering. Not only in glory, but also in the cross. But remember that after the cross, Jesus was crowned. And if you are united with him, you will be crowned too. You want to know why you can be sure that the cry of the faithful will be heard? Because on the cross, Christ also cried out of suffering. And he cried in a loud voice, my God, my God, why? Have you forsaken me? We cry because he cried. With one difference. In that moment, his cry was not heard. 
that your cry would be heard. That my cry would be heard. He is the guarantee. He is the guarantee that we will be heard. In Jesus, God is very close. He's near. He is one cry distant from you. One cry. Pour your heart before him. He says, I will be with you always. Always. Until the end of times. Do you want to know how the faithful can endure suffering? Well, it is crying. Crying from the heart. Crying from the heart to the faithful God of the covenant. And it is by reassuring ourselves of his promises. Let this be an encouragement for you in time of suffering. I have listed just a few of God's promises for you. And I think it will help you as it helps me. John 16, 33. This is Jesus speaking. In the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Psalm 51, 17. A broken heart and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Psalm Matthew 28, 20. I will be with you always until the end of times. James 1, 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast on the trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. And I challenge you to make your own list according to the trial that you are going through. Meditate on it. Meditation is repeat the word of God to ourselves because the word of God never shakes my faith does. It's me who needs to be reassured that God is with me. But let me finish this with one remark. If you are not a Christian, you need to cry. You need to say, save me. But what you need is a different salvation. You are a slave of sin. God's people, their suffering is temporary. God is their avenger. He will destroy their enemies. But if you remain far from God and far from his law, then you will be destroyed with God's enemies. But today is the day of salvation. Today you can cry, save me. Save me. Let us pray. O Lord God of salvation, thank you so much for Jesus Christ. Thank you because your word reassures us that you hear our cries. Lord, it's not always our perception. Sometimes we think in our little faith that you have abandoned us. Lord, forgive us for our little faith. Increase our faith. Comfort our hearts. 
Please make this word vivid before us. Help us to repeat your promises to us, knowing that they are sure promises, that you fulfill them all. In Jesus we pray. Amen.